Welcome to Failing For You, where I'll fail so you don't have to, or even better yet, so you can too. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Failing For You. Today, we have our guest, Chioma, who is, oh my goodness, the STEM slash STEAM, however you identify with your your. Uh, I guess acronym. We're going to get more into that later, but she is the queen of it. And she is out here doing so much cool work for our industry, for the kids that want to be in our industry and has a, not only a degree in electrical engineering guys, but she went back and got a master's in electrical. So this girl lives and breathes the engineering world. So Chioma, without further ado, I feel like I'm fumbling your accreditations. Say hello to everybody. Hi everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Um, so this is about billing, right? So I'm really excited <laughs> to come in and talk about my era specialty. <laughs> but real quick, before we get started, let's hear a quick message from our sponsors. Hi there, I'm David Turner from Process and Automation Specialists. In our world, process improvement isn't just a phrase, it's the key to unlocking efficiency in your operations. With over 20 years of hands-on experience in the heart of manufacturing plants, I've walked in your shoes, worked alongside teams like yours, and understand the ins and outs of your daily challenges. My journey from the plant floor to leading process solutions means I know exactly what it takes to elevate your operations. Interested in transforming your process efficiency with a partner who's been there? Let's connect on LinkedIn. Don't wait for the future of automation. Let's create it. Process and automation specialists, engineering efficiency together. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it on the the resume, but um, I definitely have seen some posts that have alluded to some of your failures. Now, before we get too into those stories, I would like if you could just kind of give the audience a little background on you. I know you have written a book, which is super cool. You run a page for the Steam Divas. Can you just kind of walk us through those? Because I think it would come better from you and be a bit more well said. So. Just go with it. Right. Um, so I have a degree in electrical engineering, like she told you, and that's been my area of interest. However, I have been working in robotics, more or less, but I, uh, it's more automation back when I was there growing up. <laughs> back then, I've uh, <laughs> been in this industry for, I was just say, over a decade, so I don't age myself. <laughs> However, I am a full stack roboticist. I have experience with the hardware side of things and the software side of things. I've built test automation systems. I have been an engineering leader. I've worked in different industry. I've worked in manufacturing. I've worked in space. I've worked in gaming. I also wrote a book, like she said. I'm, on a, I'm an author of a team strategy book that teaches team dynamics on how to build the best team within product circle. And I'm also the founder and president of Steam Divas. Steam Divas is a nonprofit that's focused on increasing women in engineering. And we do this by fusing arts with STEM. And we hope that at the end of the day, that our students can either take STEM into arts or arts into STEM. We don't care as long as there's a fusion somewhere. And we want to get girls who typically would not see themselves as a STEM person. But because we know that the base of STEM is creativity, as long as you have an inch of creativity within you, we want you to be interested in STEM. So our hackathons bring hands-on experience for those girls so they don't get caught up with the uh, grades and mathematics, but rather 
I've been able to do this product. I've been able to finish it. And this is a fusion of arts within it. That's really cool. And I think there's, there's some dabbling of mixing in like the fun artsy side with engineering. Like, you know, you see those, uh, like the spot robot, he'll, you know, dance with some, uh, some music, but it's like, there's not a lot of intersection between the art and the engineering. So I think it's cool that you have this like book and this stance where you're trying to actually blend it and teach people like you can do a little bit of both because I don't think it's necessarily natural. I think some people think, oh, I lean one way. I can only be artsy or I lean towards engineering. I can only do that. So I think it's refreshing to have someone come on and say, hey, you know, like we can be kind of okay at a lot of things and like just see what we like and how to blend them together. Um, what, what motivated you to do that? Did you have an interest in like any artsy stuff or what made you think like steam is something I want to push? Cause you clearly have a very engineering strong background. So what brought the arts in it for you? Well, I think that what motivated me to start steam deeper was the fact that majority of the time in rooms that I enter when it comes to STEM, I found that, that I'm always the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured, I said, well, what happens if I can, you know, make a lot of us, you know, mm -hmm. come into this area? And I started looking at how the system has been set up. A lot of times girls between the age of nine, they start moving away from science stuff and start looking at more creative outlets because they have this concept of what a STEM person is going to be. Can you be? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be fashionable. You don't have to be, you know, into art stuff. And and sometimes I feel like they can blend who they are into STEM areas. And so I'm like trying to get the customer. So I figured, hey, you know, bringing art into the STEM field is one way to get them to embrace them in such a way that they typically wouldn't. And so in the process of doing that, I said finding out that art encompasses so many other things too. That art is also creativity. Art is also humanities. And I started looking into how some of the things that we're doing in STEM needs this thing. And this balance is what we should be looking for. Okay, Chioma, in the spirit of failing for you, I want to talk about a post you made the other day. So I'm going to look at it on my other screen over here. You uh, quoted a science magazine post on LinkedIn, and you said, one of the things I mentioned in my presentation with the students was how I failed advanced math despite loving math and the way students reacted was kind of funny. Can you tell us about this story? Because I, I don't think people are often very open about when they fail a class. I know I, even being the queen of failing, when I failed my first class in college, I wanted to crawl in a hole and die. Um, so <laughs> tell us about how you delivered that message to students. Like what, what was the idea behind it and how they reacted? I had this um, class that I was talking to about engineering and what it's like. And so I talked about my career path. You know, I've, you know, I've built space vehicle. I've worked on games, you know, gaming games, EA sports, EA um, franchises. I've, I've worked in manufacturing, cell phones, computer, washing machines. I've built all kinds of things. So this was the beginning part, right? And so mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, I'm explaining because part of what I'm presenting to them, I'm telling them, this is kind of what I would tell my younger self. So somewhere along the line, I was trying to explain, to talk to them about challenges. And right there, I said, well, you know, 
as through my undergraduate days, I felt advanced math, even though I love math. And they all had this look on my their face like, what? You could fail? And I was like, and I, it was so funny, you know, just watching their faces, like gaps, like, you know, not actually, but you could tell from their face. And I said, how do you guys think I would get to where I am without failing? Like, it's impossible. And um, so I, I think that I, it's, it's, it dawned on me again that a lot of people are not comfortable with the idea of failing. Yes. I mean, that was the whole point. Okay, so the name of this book is called Unlocking the Team Puzzle, and you can find it on Amazon and Kindle. Uh, the, the, the book is about team building strategy. Uh, I came up with this concept because of my engineering leadership, and I recognized that everybody had a productivity personality, which is different from the other personalities. And mm -hmm. I identified this into three groups, one of them. Okay, back to it, guys. Um, for reference here, we've had a couple of technical difficulties. So excuse us as we are doing the absolute best we can. I, I typically don't include a technical difficulty in a podcast. But guys, I think it's kind of funny because in the spirit of failing for you, sometimes you just time out. So Chio and I, we're just like, we're hopping back in and out of these browsers. So if we seem a little choppy here and there, that is why. Um, yeah, so the internet's not been our friend today, but we we are prevailing. So Chioma, back to what you were saying. Um, why don't we we shift gears and start talking about your book? Because you know we love an author steam diva girly. So could you show us your book and tell us a little bit about it? I know you you referenced it earlier. Look at that! Look at that beautiful book. <laughs> So Chioma, your book looks very cool. And I think that I relate a lot to the early starter person because I think I, I tend to get very excited about ideas and I want to try a lot of things out. And I think I tend to do that and then sometimes regret it because then I'm like, oh man, now I have to actually like do it. Um, so those are always fun. I do like the concept of learning more about the dynamic of the people who are more the finishers and then the the ones that do the deep dives. I think that would be kind of cool. So I can get a better point of view of the people that have to deal with me. Um, so I could get a little bit of introspective there. But I, I think that sounds like it's very interesting. When when did you write this book? So I wrote this book last year. <laughs> wow, it's so, fresh. I wrote this book last year. So it was, I wanted to, how I came about writing this book, I was talking to someone about because I can, if you tell me about a company, I can tell you what is the largest percentage of productivity personality they have based on how they deliver their products. And mm -hmm. so we're talking about it. And the person used to work in this big corporation before I had no work there. And I said, Oh, I feel like they have a lot of this kind of people there. And they were like, it's true. Because I described the personalities of each one of the other stories and the pros and the cons. And it's like, it's true. And I said, I feel like they reward that behavior. He said, it's true. And I said, oh, that's why they have this problem when it comes to deliverable. And he was like, oh, you know what? You should write a book. Yeah. You, you know, I, I, I was like, I'll worry about it. I'll just write an article about it. You know? Yeah. So I, I started out writing an article because I didn't want it to be a lot, just something. And then I just had too much stuff. 
I can manage the final financial side of things because I have the customer service concept that was drummed in me during one of the work. So I understand that, oh, I, I need to do customer service. Do I really enjoy that side of things? No, but I've mm-hmm. trained myself to get comfortable with it. But I always need a deep diver. So yeah. just knowing all of this would allow you to know how you build your team. Like who is the person that I feel will back me up to make sure that they can mitigate uh, any of my weaknesses. And the book does have the option to tell you how to mitigate each one of the weaknesses with each part of the person so you can identify who you need within your space to help you become your best self. Okay, Chioma, I have a question I started asking, which is if somebody has a team and they don't have a lot of finishers on the team or they don't have a lot of deep divers or early starters, can you kind of give us an example of like what it looks like when you're missing one of those pieces Pick whatever one you want. I, I don't know the situation well enough to ask which one in particular. Good, good question, because I did talk a little bit about it in my book. Um, so whenever you have a, a company that does not have a lot of final finishes, you're going to see that they start up, have a startup idea mentality. They have a lot of things starting up. But the deliverable is, is never concluded or the deliverable is really not as good because some of the problems that you have with a, with a L starter is that they get bored on their journey. Mm-hmm. And so when they come up with the ideas and you have like a, a deep diver and a deep dive into it, the, every one of those people, if you look at it like a bell curve, every one of those people will be moving out of the, the project slowly because mm-hmm. deep diver can only deep dive so far. They are experts within this field. What the final finisher does is that they are the ones that will be like, okay, we have lessons that learned. We have a history of what has been discussed, happened to us in the past. So what we're going to do right now is that we're going to see how we're going to bring it to the customer because we need more lessons learned so we can build our database. So whenever you have a company that has a lot of early starters or not enough final finishes or reward early starters and deep divers and ignore the final finishes because you know they're not the star boys they're not out you know outshining they yeah. see the productivity that the product that they deliver is never really good with customers there's so many industries that is ignoring their final finishes because yeah. final finishers are always coming in last of the project. They're not really like always enthusiastic at the beginning. And sometimes when, you know, when people are at work, they try to encourage their employees to be like, be like the elder starter, you know, rather than say, okay, this is your strength. Let's focus on that and see how we can make that useful within the team. So yeah, I, I, I can identify, you know, a company that's full with a lot of deep divers, a company that's full with a lot of final finishes. You always see them like, this is how we've always done it. We don't want to change things. Yeah. I have a lot of early stars. They're like, oh yeah, let's follow the process and standards. Things take forever before you get delivered. So it's finding that point 
in doing your product lifecycle? Like, how do we get everybody to walk, you know, within that space where we need them? And everyone can wear a hat, different hats. It's not like people are like, I can do this. But whenever you keep people within a space that is not their productivity personality for too long, that's when they experience burnout. If you're not an early starter and you're in an environment that's constantly in early starter modes, usually startups, you find that you're going to experience burnout. And if mm-hmm. you're a final finisher and, um, and, and you, you know, if you're an early starter, you go to an industry where they're in final finishing mode all the time. They're like, let's go through the process before you change one resistor. We got to do a bunch of, you know, analysis. And then, you know, then you start experiencing burnout. Mm-hmm. It may come more in the form of boredom, like I'm bored, nothing's happening, I can't move anything, right? So just understanding your team and then as a leader, knowing how to uh, provide, mitigate those issues, provide opportunities for them to experience their productivity personalities, like with stretch opportunities, stretch goals, or, or, or putting them at the point in the project where they can lead in an area where it's their, their specialty, that allows you to have everybody be content even when they have to wear the hat for a short time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you explain these because my day job as a marketing engineer, I we, we have a very small marketing team and there's only you know a couple of us that are doing the technical marketing and I actually get to do each of these roles, but I do notice there's ones that I gravitate towards more. So for instance, like it's a small team. So if I have a good idea, they're like, yeah, go for it. Like they're very encouraging of the early starter mentality because we're a bunch of early starter type people that got this department going. And so they'll say, okay, go for it. But then being the engineer, I have to do the deep dive. So I literally do reports called deep dives and then I deliver those out. And then it's like, okay, well, now that I have this report that's internal and I've educated everybody, how do I make this customer facing? So then I have to be the finisher and I have to create this document that's customer facing And I find the finisher part is so important. And when I'm in my early starter mentality, I have to consider when it comes to being finisher time, how do I set that version or that part of me up for success? And it can be so difficult because it feels like such a good idea. But then when I go to word it of like, how do I want to say this? How do I want to like put it out there? How do I want to format it? Oh, it's like pulling hair. Like I just cannot, like my brain does not work that way. So every time I get close and I'm through my deep dive and I have this jumble of research, I sit down with my boss and he asks me the same five questions. He asks me every single time I do a project and he's like, you know, like, what is it? What's the point? Who should care? And like just the typical business questions, they're always the same questions, but I have to hear him say it out loud each time. It's like my cycle. And then I can bring myself through the finish line, but it is so interesting like you said like there's we naturally gravitate towards some and i feel like i have to finish the project because it's up to me too but if i take too long to finish it i start losing that inspiration for the the cycle again to be the early starter and i i if i had a you know perfect world i would just get to do early starter idea things but then i see the flip side of that in my personal business so, Chioma, you've obviously had a very impressive career by all means. Um, I feel like on paper, off paper, all of the above, it's it's very, very cool to like watch you and hear your story. Um, and we've we've touched on some of the parts where along the way you've experienced failure, but Within all these impressive roles, would you say you've ever experienced imposter syndrome or do you feel like you've always just kind of been like, you know what? Yeah, I, 
I deserve to be here. What's your experience been like that with that? I don't believe in imposter syndrome. <laughs> Go off, queen. <laughs> and the reason is because one thing that I need to feel safe is the fact that I need to have confidence within that space. Mm-hmm. So the, if I'm doing something, I feel like, okay, I feel confident. I feel like imposter syndrome is... So at the point in time, I realized that I didn't have any imposter syndrome. I didn't have any of that. And so I got to a point where I started feeling like an oddball out because everyone was saying they were having imposter syndrome. And I'm going to tell you that I, I lied a little bit. I was like, oh, yeah, I probably have imposter syndrome. So I could fit in, right? You know, yeah. Kids, you know, <laughs> what can we say? However, after um, as I kept growing up now, trying to figure myself out and stay asking myself questions like, could something be wrong with me if I'm, if I'm not experiencing imposter syndrome? I said, noticed that it was imposter syndrome is something that was predominantly with women. And now, mind mm-hmm. you, I'm working within the space where I'm dealing with real life situation where environments are not kept for women or kept safe for women for us to thrive. And I've just been more of a a person that has been raised around no limits. And so it's kind of interesting that uh, I, I have never felt like I'm in a space where I didn't belong. I feel mm-hmm. like if I'm there, I belong there. And so it, so there was always that clash. And so since I didn't, um, I say asking all these questions that I'm trying to figure out, I was like, hmm, this is imposter syndrome. It's sounding a little bit fishy. It feels like yeah. trying to fix the victim of an environment rather than fixing the environment. So most times they will hear things like, oh, you need to do this. You need to speak up. You need to do that. And I myself have given those kind of bad advice to people before where I've said, hey, you know, when you're speaking in a group, make sure your voice is deeper so you can sound like, you know, they can listen to you and all that rather than telling people to be the authentic self and then telling the environment to adjust. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, I, for the digging i realized that the problem here is not you feeling like an imposter the problem is you being in an environment that wasn't built for you so definitely you're going to feel like an outsider within that space but you're not an imposter you know it's so it's not was telling um lots of young girls uh to try to uh fix themselves to feed in this environment we should fix the environment so we updated part of our vision with our mission with steam divers is that we we said whatever companies we're working with we're going to have them make a pledge for us that they're going to make sure that the environments that our girls will be going into is safe is is a Mm -hmm. place where they can feel like themselves everybody else should just adjust uh we shouldn't be coming in trying to be anything other than our authentic self yeah that is so cool. I feel like I've never heard anyone be so confident in like that position on imposter syndrome. I feel like there's very little people I've met in the technical space who who have that like self-assurance because I, I think I, I relate a little bit of like, you know, I've like, you know, I, I know I worked hard and I know that like I deserve to be here kind of thing. But also I think my side of why I don't have it's a bit more cynical in the sense of I think, well, I think everybody is like struggling here or there. No, nobody's as smart as they pretend to be. Like a lot of people are putting on an act kind of thing. And I think a lot of times I'm like, I don't feel out of place because I know that everybody's just figuring it out and doing the best they can. And although there are some people who are just incredibly smart and talented and just born for what they do. But I think in my mind, I've always seen people as very human and the fact that like, you know, we're all just 
figuring it out day by day. And so it, it is interesting. I, I've never had somebody, like you said, come on and just be like, yeah, no, I actually don't struggle with that. Silly, silly billies. Like I had to pretend I did, but no, I, I, I totally relate to that. Cause it's like funny when you're younger, it's like you don't fit in unless you're also struggling and people want to like complain together. And if you're not complaining, they're like, what's wrong with you weirdo? <laughs> I think the most important thing here I want to point out is that it's not because I feel like I am good at everything. It's because I'm comfortable with failing. I'm going to tell you, I don't understand. Can you mm-hmm. explain it to me? Oh, this is hard. I, I'm not getting it. But one thing I know is that I've, I've taught myself how to learn something. So mm-hmm. I, I sit down there and I'm like, okay, can you teach me how to do it? And I guarantee you when I learn it, I'll be good at it. The yep. fact that anybody can tell me that there's someone out there who given an opportunity to learn the way that they can learn that they can't get something, then that's unless something is really wrong with them medically. But everybody <laughs> has a, an opportunity to learn. And I that's why I don't write people off. I, I have a difficult time saying, Oh, this is not for you. Like STEM mm-hmm. is not for you. Maybe Maybe you need to learn more math. And I think that's what enables me to be able to do what I do when I say everybody can do STEM. Come on. You know, let's just figure out how we can include it in your space the way you like to have it. And so for me, failing is not a terrible idea. You know, that's where, you know, like it's not, it's something like I'll be like, oh, I failed it, but let me try and learn it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what helps me to get past the imposter syndrome. I think most times people are like, Oh, I don't want to make a mistake. Oh, I don't want to fail. I don't want to do all that kind of stuff. But I'm comfortable with it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, we did something. We messed up. What did we learn from it? How can we go to the next step? Can we move up to the next thing? Chioma, thank you so much for coming on today and giving us your perspectives on failure, telling us about your book, which I need to order as soon as we hang up. And I will put all the links for that below and all your Steam Diva links and everything so you guys can keep up with everything she's doing. But before we sign off, is there any last message you want to leave the listeners with? My last message will be just remember, fail quickly, get to root cause, implement your corrective action, and then repeat. <laughs> and also, please, um, if you know a young girl who you think is going to benefit from STEAM, which I think is all young girls, please go to our website and register them, Steam. S-T-E-A-M, Divas, D-I-B-A-S. And then um, we also have places for parents to get resources on how to keep a young girl within STEAM. And so just register on our website. And if you're someone who likes the idea of mentoring, who likes the idea of volunteering in our hackathon or helping out the students when they have a little bit of interest, please go ahead and sign up again on our website. And we have a Slack channel. We have a community there where we're coming together, coming up with ideas on what we think the students will like and where we can mentor and talk to them. And also look out for my two books coming down the line. Well, that looks like we have a lot to keep up with. And, you know, guys, you don't have to remember the links. Like I said, I'll put it below. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm super excited to see what the future holds and to continue to follow along with you, Chioma. So thank you so much for coming on. And guys, thank you so much for listening. And as always, I'm your host, Jordan Yates. And in the meantime, I'll be failing for you. See you next time. Mm-hmm.